I turned it off right when I walked up. Welcome to my church. I'm Jeff. This is my wife, Crispy. Christy. Christy. I, that's when you've had one too many Crispies that you make that mistake. How cool is it that you can come in with an ugly sweater, looked all goofy and jacked up like you guys do, and get awarded a Krispy Kreme donut? That's awesome. Only at my church, all right? It makes me just want to shout out like U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly, all right? That's what I wanted to say this morning. Welcome to my church. We're glad you're here. Uh, really are really, really glad you're here this morning. We're going to have a fun conversation this morning, and, and I hope to really make, really make a point today because so many of us uh, feel like we have to check our baggage at the door uh, in churches today. We want you to feel accepted. We want you to know you're welcome. In fact, we did all of this looking ugly for you, so you'd feel comfortable. So we're glad you're here, glad you're a part of today's service. I brought my beautiful spouse here today because we've been married for 22 years now and have done a lot of Christmases together. Yeah, that, that deserved way more than that, right? I mean, 22 years with this, wow. Yeah, she, she gets all that applause because it's not been a, a it's been somewhat of a joyride, I would think, but not all, but not all. But thank you, Christy. She's going to share with us this morning also. And we just want to bring you a Christmas message today. We really want you to, want you to see something that we feel like, uh, things that we forgot along the way, things that maybe because of our background, different backgrounds, how we viewed God, how we viewed Christmas, um, we probably got some stuff sideways and not quite all together, so... Um, speaking of ugly, we recently went through some old Christmas albums, and um, I found this photo from when we first moved to Columbus the first time. This was 1994, and it may surprise some of you, I was not on my way to an ugly sweater party. I actually thought this was the most awesome sweater ever made. I think I spent my first Look Christmas those, bonus. Those high school girls are like, yeah, oh they're my like, gosh, really? seriously? Like, no way. No. I will never forget, I got my first Christmas bonus from my first real job. I spent it all on that sweater. I thought it was awesome. It had a little jingle bell. Um, it had shoulder pads. I'm not sure why. I think shoulder pads went out in the 80s, but in 1994, evidently, I was still wearing them. Um, I Don't act so stunned. Don't act like you're that good. You had, a, you had something you thought was cool, too. All well, right? It's not just us. Now, I did marry Jeff for his cool factor. He was from Miami, and it was funny. There was another woman here this morning um, who said, I never had an ugly sweater like that. I just knew someday they were not going to be cool. They were going to be ugly. I never did that. I said, you know, Jeff was like that, too. He was from Miami. And so I remember buying him a Christmas sweater. Actually, my sister bought it for him, and I forced him to wear it. And I still remember I you pushing back. Like, I'm not going to wear this sweater that had, like, a little duck on the corner of it. Um, there Thank he you. is right there with the little Thank plaid you. and little patches. Thank you, and Thank you. Um, Thank I think you. he knew it was not going to be cool. Anyways, the point is I had no idea that my most prized sweater would one day be deemed ugly. I think I, I just threw it away like two years ago. <laughs> I should have saved it. I could have used it for all these parties. We had a, um, a kid at our house this week who's, who came to an ugly sweater party at our house, and she said, don't tell my mom it's an ugly sweater party. I just borrowed her sweater, and I told her I needed a Christmas sweater. How many, how many of you did that for today? You went shopping in a relative's closet, your grandma, <laughs> your mom. Did you tell them it was ugly sweater, or did you just say, no, I just need something festive, because they still love it, right? Um, when it comes to our spiritual life, 
sometimes a barrier for us, especially those of us who were raised in the South, is just simply this. We didn't know we were ugly. Um, we grew up in the South where we have good manners. We say yes ma'am and no ma'am. Um, we come to church in our khakis and our berries and our vineyard vine shirts and we dress up and we look great we don't say anything bad not to anybody's face anyways <laughs> <laughs> to their face we say bless your heart and that is code language for you're such an idiot um, but you know we've learned to kind of put on around here you know another mom and I were having this conversation about why is it moms we love to have our kids dress up what, what is it about that I nothing makes me happier than to see my children all dressed up in fact when they want to do something they know I don't approve of this is what they bargain with me they're like like, Mom, if you let us do it, I promise we'll dress cute for church on Sunday. <laughs> and J.D., he's the only one who's wise enough. He's like, I don't think God cares how we dress. And besides, Daddy never dresses up for church on Sunday, so why do I have to dress up? <laughs> and I don't know how you were raised, but I was raised in this kind of cover up all your flaws, um, kind of performance treadmill where I was always trying to prove to God how good I was. And I almost got caught in this trap of, we just didn't talk about the ugly stuff and we didn't talk about it. We covered it up. You know, I, I didn't necessarily feel so ugly. It was funny. I was talking to this mom this week and I'm like, gosh, if we're not careful, we could equate our children, we could be equating like coming to God with I have to look a certain way. And the, that this mom said to me, well, I want my kids to know they've got to bring their best to God. And I thought, oh, yeah, but Isaiah 64, 6 says we're all infected and impure with sin. In fact, when we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing better than filthy rags. All right? So kids... You don't dress up because God wants you to dress up. You dress up for your mama, okay? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but for me, that was a hang-up because it, it wasn't like anybody said you, you have to do this to come to God, but because everything looked so glossy on the outside all the time, everybody had big hair and shoulder pads and matching sweaters, um, sometimes a barrier to real freedom and grace the way God intended it is just simply that we didn't know we were ugly. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so maybe for some of you, you know, you're like, great, I come to church and they're telling me I'm ugly. We all are. And true grace and freedom and joy comes from a place where we can actually admit, all right, I fall short. Yeah, so some of us, you grew up and you didn't know you were ugly. I mean, we kind of you know, closet our mess and our sin, right? If we're in the South or whatever, we joke about the South. But, I mean, even the Southern people, there are many of us that you grew up and you knew you were ugly, right? You knew you had, like, junk going on. In fact, just this last week, I blew it as a dad and called Christy after I was dropping the kids off to school and said, I just yelled at everybody in the car. I mean, I just called everybody out on everything that they were doing wrong, and then I looked like an absolute fool. I mean, I was so mad at myself, I... I actually had to pull the car off the road and, like, actually get back in the back seat to console my son because I just bruised him up. I just bruised him up. And I realized I, I'm ugly. It, it's, it, there's still a mess going on here. So some of you, you're, you're tracking with me this morning. You, 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 you showed up. You know you're ugly. <laughs> you know when I said U-G-L-Y, you're going, it's me. I got it. I'm covered in it, right? But some of us, we didn't know we could come to God ugly. There, a lot of us, we grew up when you felt like you had to like, you know, coming to God, had to, you had to check that stuff at the door before you could show up to church or before you could, 
you could have a relationship and be, be known by God or Him know you, you felt like you had to do something about it in advance. I remember um, Christy played a really, really mean joke on me one time. Uh, I say mean because I, I, I play the jokes in our house. You don't play them on me. I play them on you, right? So I grew up in a real jokes, joke-filled family. We we're, we're always teasing. I mean, if we're not teasing, then we don't kind of know what to do. Um, and we didn't know that Christie's family were jokester also, jokesters also. Uh, so I remember right before we were married, we were engaged. Uh, I went to her family's house for Christmas. I was on my P's and Q's. I mean, I was still trying to, like, earn my way into, like, the, the household, you know. And, and, you know, they knew my family is kind of wild. And so I was trying to just be, like, you know, like, proper and straight-laced and, do it all real right because I really wanted to win her daddy's approval. He was the last man standing at that point. I had everybody else, but not her dad. And so, so Christmas morning, I wake up and I'm getting ready to come downstairs. They have a two-story house. Getting ready to come downstairs. I'm in my gym shorts. I'm from South Florida, right? We're we're in her family's home in uh, St. Louis, and it's cold. But I mean, I slept in my shorts and my t-shirt. I'm just gonna wake up and go downstairs in that, right? I mean, that's how I grew up. And so I'm ready to roll downstairs and. I forget her sister or brother caught me and like, no, 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 no. You got to, you, like, th- we have a tradition. You don't get gifts unless you're, like, dressed for the occasion. And I'm like, seriously? I, don't, I didn't bring anything. And so they roll up in there with their, her, her dad's, like, Brooks Brothers, like, pajamas. Like, goofy, like, I thought they were bad then. Um, old man but it looked like you were going to a ball wearing pajamas. Like, I'm like, this is weird. You're giving me pajamas, but they look like I've just put a three-piece suit on, right? And so I wear these things, and everybody's been peeking in, going, so happy. They'll be so happy that you're coming down. And so I walk downstairs, and there are, no one's wearing anything sharp. They look like a total mess, and they just fall out laughing at me and pointing at me. My brother-in-law's there, her sister. They're just totally mocking me. And... The joke was on me, and I'm like, okay, you got me, and it was all funny, ha, ha, ha. But the point I want to make is I literally was tricked into believing I had to dress up to show up. I had to dress up to get the gifts. But the truth of the matter is when it comes to really authentically how God views us, we don't have to do anything to show up. God says come ugly. I mean, bring it all. Bring your biggest mess Whatever state of dilemma or struggle or ugliness you're in, God, God has his arms open saying, come on, bring it to me. And let me just show you proof of this. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God showed his great love for us when? While we were still sinners. Now, we're all sinners, right? Saved, unsaved, we're all still sinners. But this was really intended for the ugliest of ugly. I mean, pre-Christ, pre-knowing God loved me, this is intended intended to help us grasp that this is our God, one God, who loved us so much that he wanted to make a point saying, you don't have to clean up before you show up. I just want you to always, always, to the day you go on and have a choice of, you know, heaven or hell, I want you to come to me. That, that's God, God's wish, that we would always feel like we could come fully accepted to him. 
Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says this, for it's by grace. It's by grace that you've been saved. It's by grace that God longs to reach out and save us. Give us the gift of eternity in heaven. Give us the gift of himself. Give us the gift of like forgiveness and like freedom from our junk. It's, it's by grace. It's not by cleaning up. It's not by doing it. In fact, there's nothing you and I can do to make us be loved by God anymore. And there's nothing we can do to make us be loved less by God. That's this verse. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, nothing I can do. It's just a gift of God. It's just this like the gift that God gave us through his son Jesus. In fact, God had himself show up in the form of a baby, putting skin on. Think about that. He never had skin on before. I mean, sometimes skin sucks, right? I mean, how many guys have had to go, how many teenagers ever went to the dermatologist before? Got acne, right? Got milk, got acne, right? Dude, when I played football in high school, wherever anything touched my face, it was like, break out, break out, break out. It was like Rudolph, like red nose on the face, right? Now I'm mid-40s and I'm going, wow, there's, there's splotches and stuff that I didn't know I was going to get. And man, there's discolorings. And, I mean, God sent his son. I mean, that's just the, the first part. He had skin on. But I mean, he endured everything that we endure as, as human beings, even the cross, while we were still sinful. He did that to just demonstrate in advance, you were loved by me. In advance. In advance, he knew what we would do. He knew the sins we'd commit. He knew that some of us would give our heart to him and we'd still blow it. He knew I was going to make a mistake. He didn't wish me to, but make mistakes as a father and as a husband, as a dad. But here's what he wants us to grasp. His arms are open for him, for us to come back always. In fact, we wanted this to be the quintessential message of our church. We wanted our church to be known as a church who, who, would, who would be, who would, if we're going to err on the, any side of this conversation, we'd err on the side of grace because that's what God did for us. So we wrote this value out like this. This is our My Church value. Because we, be, we believe grace saves, we will risk criticism. I mean, that's strong. We, we believe in grace, God's grace, so much. We will risk criticism. We've had some. And go the extra mile to make every man, every woman, every child feel accepted. That's the message of Jesus. The reason we're so passionate about doing that, making people feel accepted, and going the extra mile to do that, is really when you think about the story of Christmas, that was God really going the extra mile to show us. He became one of us. Um, I oftentimes I think, you know, God could have fixed our ugliness any way he wanted to. He could have wiped us all out and started over. He could have snapped his fingers. Um, He could have just wiped our slate clean. I mean, there's a lot of different ways. He's God. He could come up with the way. Um, But when you think about the way he chose to fix us, he chose to fix us by becoming one of us. It says in Matthew 123, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us, which is really the solution to all of our problems is having him right with us. But not only did he come 
And like Jeff said, he came and he put skin on and he was put not in a palace, he was put in a manger and in a stable. I mean, you think about the story of Christmas, it's a, it's a messy, ugly story. You've got two teenagers who are scared and lost and away from home and no place to go. And they're, Do you remember how you felt, moms, the time you gave birth to your first child, how nervous you were? Imagine being in a stable. I remember bringing my firstborn home and the dog just sniffing her little baby carrier. My mom about had a heart attack. I mean, imagine having to lay your newborn and wrap them in rags and put them in a manger with animals around it the, the story of Christmas is messy it's ugly because Jesus became one of us he put on our humanity but he not only became one of us he took all of our ugliness when God was deciding how am I going to save humanity his plan was simply this that I would become one of them And I would take all of their ugliness and put it on me. Philippians 2 says it this way. Even though he was God, he didn't think equality with God was something to cling to. Instead, he gave up all the divine privileges of heaven. He took the humble position as a slave, and he was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, as if that wasn't enough, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. He literally had all of our mistakes, all of our sin, all of our ugliness put on him. In fact, it was so ugly that the Bible tells us that his own father had to turn his back, couldn't even look at his son. And so Jesus on the cross, he had to break his relationship with his father so that you and I could have a relationship forever with him. He became ugly so that we didn't have to try to cover our ugliness. And so we would have the freedom to be able to come to him just as we are. So Christy said he became ugly. And I want to I just close with this thought. He came ugly, so he became ugly so we can come ugly. So essentially the whole message of Jesus coming to this earth, the whole message really of the Bible is that God wants us to show up with our stuff. Not, not be forced into... Uh, pretending that we don't have it. And I know churches, we could, we could be notorious for getting to the place where we pretend we don't have an ugly sweater, right? That we've got baggage, that we've got junk. And I think that's the worst thing that can happen to the cause of Christ because it's the antithesis of what Jesus wanted us to do. He wanted us to show up ugly. In fact, he showed up, we, he wanted us to show up in such a way that he would take our ugliness and put it on himself. Let me show you this. John eight seventeen says this. God sent his son into the world. The reason Jesus came, not to judge the world. He, God, God wasn't looking down from heaven, pointing his finger with a, with a grimace on his faith, face, grit, gr, you know, gritting his teeth, going, I'm going to solve this problem by coming down and blowing it all up. No, no, no. I'm going to solve this problem by giving love by giving grace, by giving my very best. And so he came into this world not judging the world, but saving the world. And that happens through, through Christ. This, uh, this, this last few months, we kind of tracked two different families that really have gone through similar scenarios. Both these families had sons that in their late uh, 20s, 30 years old. Um, one, one family lived down the street from us. Uh, down our dirt road, and another family down in, a, in a, another part of our state. But both families uh, had sons that just uh, struggled a few different times in life and both got heavily, heavily addicted to all types of drugs. 
Um, both these young men uh, grew up, you know, one had family, um, and recently both of them passed, both of them died. The only difference between these two guys, because their, their stories are so similar, they just lived lives really sh in, sh in a lot of shame and a lot of struggle. Both these guys wanted to, to be better. Both these guys wanted to make their families happy. I think both of these guys wanted to connect and, and know God and, and have their lives changed. One of, these, one of these young men, really here in the last few months, found God. And in fact, this one guy just, it was just opened up in his mind and his heart that he could come with his junk to God. And so he did just that. He showed up, gave his heart to God. He, he received God's love, received God's grace. Wow. I mean, this guy just had his heart transformed. His family says he, he became different. I mean, all of a sudden we saw joy in this kid's life where he'd been so miserable all his life, so miserable running from God, trying all this other stuff. He found God. He found faith. He found Jesus, and this guy went to heaven. He found God and had his life dramatically changed. The young man at the end of my street, it's a sad story. We read, we read in the news that he was in a home evasion and was shot. Well, we know what that meant because we watched him go from about a 220-pound just gorilla-in-shape guy to a guy that dwindled down to about 130 pounds just because of an addiction. And we, we, saw, we saw him lose his two sons. We saw him lose his wife. In fact, if they're, even now his wife is somewhere else and their kids are sp spread out, young kids. And it just broke our heart because we felt like, what more could we have done to help this guy see God's love? He knew I was a pastor, you know, and, 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 and I don't know, maybe just, maybe it was just, I don't know what it was, but we, we often tried to connect. We often tried to, to, to help him know that he, was, he could be loved, that he could be accepted. But for whatever reason, um, his life was cut short. And, and those, those, those stories end completely differently really because one person, one person, uh, not on anything that he did, but he just grasped at what somebody else did. He understood he didn't have to get it right to come to God. He didn't have to have it all together. He didn't have to, like, try to clean it all up and come to God. He just recognized God had his arms open waiting for him. And so I want to end with this verse because I think it's very appropriate. This is one of my favorite verses. In fact, this, this I think, embodies and gives us a real clear picture of how God loves and views us. Use us. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this. Jesus' words, he says, come to me. Not come to some religions, not even come to a church, not come to the pastor, not go to the pope. No, no. Jesus, the Savior of the world, says, come to me. Why? Come to me because, and he says all of, all of you, not some, but all. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And we can, we can add a whole lot of other adjectives to that. Weary, burdened, hurt, bruised, mentally just a wreck. And he says to us, I will give you rest. And I think that kind of rest is like God's offering for peace. 
God's offering for hope, God's offering of salvation. That's God's offering of my son to forgive you, to, to, to take off your ugly sweater even when you can't. And him put it on himself to say, you're no longer ugly. I'll be ugly for you. And that's the message of Jesus. That's the message of his grace and his love. That you can show up all jacked up and God says, I'll love you no matter what. You just come to me. Our, our hope today is just simple by doing this crazy, ugly sweater idea. Um, I hope you have a picture in your mind, but not just a picture of a bunch of people looking stupid on Christmas. Um, our hope is that you would know for certain that you can always come ugly to Jesus. You know, where we spend eternity hinges on what you believe about that. Had our neighbor believed that he could come ugly, and we lay in bed at night and think if we could have one more conversation, could we just make it a little more clear that you don't have to be free or fixed to come. You can come ugly. You don't have to win over this addiction. You can, you can come as you are. And that's why we exist as a church, because we want people to know that you can come exactly as you are. And when you come to Jesus, you're not going to find a judge. You're going to find a Savior who loved you so much that he became ugly for you. And you're never going to get it right this side of heaven. You're never going to get it perfect. But our message to our city and to our world is simply, come as you are, come ugly to Jesus. And let him take that. For you. The message of Christmas is simply this it's God with us, right there with you, taking on every mistake, every sin that you have, and giving us grace. Let's pray. God, as we close out today's conversation, Lord, we want to first thank you for your grace that just is, is it's amazing, it's unbelievable, God, that you would love us no matter what. God, I think of all the times I continue to blow it, God, I, I just feel like, how can you still love me? But God, I'm reminded over and over and over that I'm your son now, that I'm no longer an orphan, that I'm your son. And God, I thank you that you look at us like a dad would, an unconditional loving father. God, I pray that I would be more like you. God, I pray you'd help me along this journey to be more like you. But God, I just thank you today that you continue to give us grace. God, I pray for those here this morning that may not know you that showed up today feeling so ugly, maybe someone drug them here and said we were doing Krispy Kreme or some goofy sweaters, and maybe that was an open door to some degree. God, I pray that, I pray for the man, I pray for the woman, I pray for the child here today that feels like they've messed up and gone so far that they're just unlovable, that they can't be forgiven. God, I pray that right now in this moment that they would sense your love, your grace for them. And God, I pray that they would, in this moment, this moment following, that they would take a small spiritual step, just a small step of belief, a small step of, of faith, and that we would simply just acknowledge that you are, you are Lord, and that you are a Savior, and that you gave your life for us so that we could receive salvation. And so, Lord, I, I, I close... In this, this moment. 
And I ask this morning if there be anyone here that would say, I, I need Jesus today. I encourage you to do what Scripture says. Scripture says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Scripture says, you will be saved. What that means is when we place our hope and our trust that Jesus went to the cross to bear all the mess and all the ugly sweaters of the world on himself, he did that to make us right, to take it away from us, to, to, to take the payment for us. And all he says we need to do is put our hope and our trust that he did that and he would save us. So in this moment, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to pray along with me if that's where you're at this morning. You want Jesus to be the Savior of your life. I'm going to close with this prayer. You just pray to God in this moment. God, I'm asking you here today to be the leader and forgiver of my life. I'm, I'm surrendering my heart to you. I'm asking you to save me today. Be the leader and forgiver, Jesus. Help me. Lord, we ask this in your name, believing that you can do just that. And so, Lord, we surrender ourselves to you. We ask you to save us. We thank you that we believe now that you will and you have. We love you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen.